What's up, everybody? Welcome to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we've had with our special guests on Crowcast. This episode is with Ruth Jones, MBE. Oh, wow, what an episode, mate. 42 weeks, and then we get the... What were you calling her? The the Queen of Wales, was it? Queen of Wales. This is my favourite Crowcast uh, to date. Um... Just because he was so real, he was so down to earth. Obviously, we're from the same neck of the woods. It was just so honest and open. And, you know, weeks before this, I was having conversations with Ruth. And and he says on the podcast about how we um, were singing to each other via voicemail about songs she had written when she was a kid and songs I had written as a kid. And I was like, how is this happening? This is Ruth Jones, super successful actress right there. And here she is singing down my phone. And then we have her. On this podcast, our Crowcast, unbelievable. Oh, I was fabulous. Um, and for anybody who's about to listen to this episode, it was nice to go down the rabbit hole of um, our past, because yeah. obviously um, you find out how we have a connection to Ruth and um, a familiar character that we've spoken about on the uh, previous Crowcast, which is Phil Jones, um, which is how Ruth got to know us and mentioned us on radio. But she'll get she'll talk about all of that throughout this uh, episode of Crowcast. And as you said, Shane, even a, a bit of exclusive singing. But what, what a beautiful lady. Yeah, man. Just a wonderful soul. A great voice as well. I know she was like playing it down, but she's got a great voice, as all Welsh have. <laughs> yeah, really looking forward to meeting Ruth, uh, as many of our previous Crowcast guests. But I definitely felt like we've we've known Ruth for a long time. Um, should we get into it? Yes. Here we go. Strap in. This is Crowcast Podcast. We are those. Guest, Let's have a special guest, the special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an honour to please welcome the wonderful Ruth Jones. <laughs> Hello. Hello, this is so nice. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Ruth. This is oh, incredible. It's my pleasure. I, I loved listening to you talk about Christmas then and not being able to let go of it. I'm the opposite. See, I can't bear seeing Christmas decorations up now, now that it's New Year. I, because it's almost like I feel it's over and I, I don't want to feel the pain of it having gone. So let's just forget about it and move on. I've been, <laughs> I've been driving around Cardiff today seeing Christmas tree. Take a tree down! <laughs> <laughs> and with all yeah. the food, the food had to go. Couldn't have a grain of Christmas food left in the house because and, and New Year's Eve, I had to like, thought, no, I'm not going to drink New Year's Eve. I don't want to wake up with a hangover. Uh, so I'm, 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 but it's probably because I'm much older than you. That's the thing, isn't it? Well, no, I don't know. I mean, Ronnie, Ronnie is like incredibly Christmassy. Like if he yeah. could celebrate Christmas every day, he would. I love it. Absolutely love it. I think we started in November this year. So we went out and got the, <laughs> The real tree. We do the whole Griswolds thing. We do Ruth, so we go out. Uh, yeah, get the get the Christmas tree. Struggle to put it in the car. It doesn't matter how, how much hassle it is. Cram the kids yeah. in the car with the tree as well. It doesn't matter how they get in there. Um, yeah. And then do the whole cut 
cutting the cord when it gets in the house, being sprung against the wall. I'm all for that. I'm all for being really Christmassy, but it's a little bit like having a love affair with somebody and then it's over and you don't want to have any trace of them in the house. <laughs> you know, it was great at the time, but now they're out of your life. I don't want to see a pair of pants that belong to your anyone. <laughs> so, you've gone. It is the first year, mind, um, coming from someone who loves Christmas on New Year's Day. We had our last kind of, right, there's the Christmas tree lights on, fabulous. And then the next day, I was the first one up and I was like ripping off the dre- the, the decorations. Um, I'm never like that, but I was pretty much the same. I was, right, I got to I gotta do the health kick, got to move yeah. on. Christmas is, is it- done. <laughs> Then you think, you know, like when you listen to the lyrics of Christmas songs, like mm. that one that went, I wish it could be Christmas every day. Who's That's, uh, what's his, uh, it's not Slade, who is it? That does that? Wizard, is it? Wizard. Yeah, yeah, Wizard. Yeah. Who in their right mind would wish that it was Christmas every day? Because, it's... no, but you wouldn't though, would you? you no, would it's too stressful. It. it is too stressful. It is too stressful. And like... Oh, you want to you want to enjoy it when it's there. Yeah, I mean, my wife both said this year that um, it's the first year that it really for us it didn't feel like Christmas. It it's just genuinely like because we're always so busy throughout the year. The Christmas is the one time, and the boys know the score. I always knock the phone off. Um, don't bother with anything. Where this year was a bit more like. We carried on doing the crow cast and I was kind of like, yeah, it's just normal because obviously we've been in a kind of belated Christmas, like, you know, so. Yeah. I think if you've got kids, that makes it different as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, Shane's are younger than mine. Mine have got to the stage where they still believe in Father Christmas. Um, They shouldn't, but they do because otherwise they know they wouldn't have anything, so. Yeah. How old are they? 28? Yeah. <laughs> but Shane, Shane's still got the magic because he's got a little boy, so he still believes in Santa. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's horrible when they come home and they're like, I, you know, I know Santa isn't real. What do you mean he isn't real? You know what I mean? So yeah, Sim, Sim, some kids in the background. Yeah, oh, it is. It's beautiful, but there is that. You know, we seven now, but I can imagine next year someone's going to spoil it on the playground. Yeah, there's always one. There's yeah. always one. That's it. So you've been keeping well, Ruth, over this lockdown, this crazy time we're going through? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I Listen, I count my blessings every day. That I, I, I'm so lucky in so many ways. And it, touch wood, I, I haven't been ill. I think I was ill early on when it first started we we went to this event in london on march the 13th and we came back and both myself and my husband were ill in the in the following two weeks we were ill he was like lost all sense of taste and smell aching joints and i had a really really sore throat and a tight chest for for about 11 days so i don't know whether we had it who knows but we've been very very lucky um so far and so far, my family are all okay. My sister's a GP, so, you know, that's always a worry. Um, my mum is 83, and she's soldiering on, bless her. Um, so, yeah, be very lucky. I think, I don't know about you, but I found there was sort of, like, phases to lockdown. Like, um, you know, in the early days, it was almost like, 
dread to hate saying this now, knowing what I know now, but right at the start, it was like um, almost like a bit of a party atmosphere. Because everybody was like staying home, or you know, you can you can have a, open a bottle of wine at any time of the day because it's it's okay because we're having a pandemic. But I think we all thought, oh, it'll only last a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then you go into the next phase of going, all oh, right, this is going to be around a bit longer. I'm going to make use of my time. You know, I started planting vegetables. I grew two radishes, and um, I think a pair of pansies, and that was it. Uh, but I thought I was going to gar- you know, be this amazing gardener. That didn't happen. thought I was going to, you know, stop playing the guitar again, learn the piano again, you know, all these things, which didn't really happen. And then, you know, you go into that phase of sort of feeling really down about it and going, oh, my God. And that comes and goes with me, I've got to be honest. I, I-, I realised quite early on that maybe I should stop watching the news because I, yeah. I couldn't see the benefit of it, really, um, it just, you know, because I felt so helpless. You, you, you do feel so helpless. So, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, creatively, I've just done nothing, really. I've, I've oh, bits and bobs of writing, a little bit of writing, but I've just found it, uh, yeah, it, it, you worry so much about what's going on in the world. I think about young people, how teenagers... Mm. What this is doing to them, I just, you know, taking away their, doing all those milestones in life, you know, and just hanging out with your friends and and on all those things that we had that we took for granted, I've just been taken away from them. And I've got nieces and nephews and my friends' kids, you know, they don't know, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're going. And I just think that's really tough. So... I just feel very grateful. I feel really, you know, blessed. I do count my blessings that I am where I am and, you know, I just head down and get on with it really at the moment. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities, what you said there, that we've experienced. We did a um, UK tour in February last year. Oh, yeah. Um, and then straight off the back of that, I got, I got really unwell. I, I, I don't know to this day if it was, like Ronnie <laughs> yeah. says, that he thinks he may have been this, that. We all yeah. we we all had similar. It was like you know, yeah, we did, and 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 we we went through phases, those highs and lows through COVID. It was like really down because we had this brand new album out in February, did really well in the charts, and then we we want to go and tour it. We done one tour and everything stopped, all the plans stopped. So we kind of sent us into a. I can't believe this. Like this, like, like you said though, looking back now, the things that were happening, we didn't know at the time. You know, how severe mm-hmm. it was going to be. So you're just thinking about what you can be creative and that's how that stopped you personally instead of mm. looking at the picture. Um, yep. And then we found a real sort of wonderful period where we got super creative and started oh, wow. mm. into new material. Um, so, yeah, the highs and lows. But, again, I got other kids who are kind of in that bracket you said there, uh, Ruth, and and my daughter in particular, you know, um, yeah, she finds it difficult not going out with her friends and she had a yeah. big in that time and she couldn't have them around and so it was it was really tough for her yeah it is incredible did you find when you were in that creative phase did you find you that your songs were inspired by what was going on then or did you kind of like go right we're we're gonna just pretend this isn't happening and find inspiration from elsewhere it was um the right inside of it was it became very how i was feeling about it um, mm. not so much 
the environment, but how it'll, it'll become obvious when when you hear the 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 yeah. the, the, the material. But um, yeah. it was about how I was experiencing it and how uh, yeah how how I was finding it hard just mm. coping with me, not the environment as such, because it was just yeah. a case of you haven't got any outlet, you can't go and express yourself with someone else. My my buddies, my my writing partners, my my yeah. friends. It was just yeah. me, and I, that's that's quite a dark place to be when you've got no outlet other than yourself, and then you kind of answer your own questions, your own yeah, trying, trying yeah. to almost teach yourself how to get out of it, but then you, you you feel trapped, and so you know that whole. I think that's really, oh, with the risk of sounding, it's almost therapeutic as long as you come out mm-hmm. of it in a positive manner, but it can be yeah. the opposite. But it's, it's interesting because a lot of people said to me, "Oh well." you know, you're lucky because you can just write and you, you don't have to go out of the house and you can be at home and, and write. But you have to be in the right frame of mind, as you know, to, to be creative, to write. And uh, and yes, you can be inspired by bad things that are going on inside you, but it's, that doesn't necessarily always trans, translate into something that you, you create, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. 100%. How did you feel about it, Ron? Yeah, it seemed just echoing what you two said. Um, it was just the transition because um, I come out of one one job full time into music, which is the dream. Um, like when you're a kid, oh, I get get to do this full time, and then for everything to kind of stop. So it was it was as you said, Ruth. It was kind of like the first part of it was a bit of denial. Um, then it was okay. We're going to get super creative, and everybody there, and you're there with your pen, and you're like, right what's your idea? And everyone's like, Ugh. well, I kind of got this. Yeah. And then you realize you're not really getting anywhere. And then all of a sudden we did it a, a really kind of, like Shane said, a, a really cool period of everything was just working. Um, and then yet again, you, it's like a roller coaster. It's up and down, but I think doing this every week, finding like dis- discovering that we would, we would do, you know, find a way to connect with everybody. Yeah. Um, and hearing everybody else's stories, that's really helped with the writing. Because yeah. um, especially... Did you do it all on Zoom then, on or, or whatever, but you did it all on video connection. You you weren't able to meet, obviously. Yeah, we... Well, th- this this happened because, like, years ago, like, Shane came up with the idea. He said, oh, we should do a podcast. And we always used to say, I love podcasts. We should do a podcast. And then when... When um, lockdown happened, we were in the five-mile restriction because Wales was on a different oh, kind of thing yeah. to England, so yeah. we could only go five miles. Well, me I and the boys... Yeah, of course we did, and but we, we're slightly out of it. But then we were like, well, we got to do band meetings. So are we going to do band meetings? And, like, being of the age we are, we're used to being in a garage or um, we're always used to being together when you do your band stuff yeah. um, or, or on the phone. And then I kind of, we started looking at the video option and then we realized, well, we could take this to the podcast level and yeah. hence why, why we're here with you. And then we were, we were speaking to like fans, which was brilliant because they were, they were telling us their stories from all around the country and mm. we got to see how they were feeling. And like from a writing point with Shane lyrically, you could, you could almost kind of get that, get that ingredients you needed, like, yeah. you know, uh, you like, need- you know, that connection don't you you need mm-hmm. that connection and it'll be interesting to see god willing when we get beyond this and things come back to normal and people start going to gigs again and going to theater and 
um, all of the all, all of the of the activities that, we, that we're used to doing. It'd be interesting to see what material comes out of it. Like for example, I'm writing my third novel now. At, well, meant to be, and I want to set it. I thought, oh well, if, if I set it in 2021, COVID will be gone by then, so I don't need to refer to it because part of me is going. Is anybody want to, going to want to read about bloody COVID when they've had to put up with it for all these years? Do we really want to see it put back on our screens again or on stage or in a radio play or in a song? Do we want, do we want that? And I'm just like, I presumed 2021, like a little thing, I've got a teenager in my story who's going to do a GCSEs. Right. Well, that's not going to happen now. And she's Welsh and the Welsh exams have been cancelled. That's not going to happen. So I know that these are little tiny little things, but there's going to be a knock on with the, with the creative stuff, isn't there? I think when we get beyond this. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And uh, you're absolutely right. The, unless you're connecting with people, this, this is what lockdown has taught me. I need those fans in that room when we're on stage like we've done, yeah. we've done a couple of uh, gigs where it's just we're playing um, a, a live show, but it's just through the camera and there's nobody in the venue. And it was the strangest thing we've ever done. It felt so oh, yeah. peculiar. And I'm, I'm, I'm shouting to the camera, sing along back home. And uh, and I'm, oh, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure yeah. they were. And, well, I know yeah. they were. But they, they, they let mm-hmm. us know. But it's uh, everything and the energy that you, you bounce off the fans. And it, yeah. it's not just when you're in that moment in that room. It's as you said, Ruth, that creativity, you need um, life experiences of others to kind of yeah. listen to and start thinking. You have a conversation with yourself and then you put yourself in that environment and how you would react. And all of a sudden, all these little avenues and junctions take off and then the inspiration comes and bang, before you know, you've written a song. And it's yeah. that, that quick and that easy. You take that away, that is like hitting your head against a brick wall. It's all about you and... Okay, a lot of stuff when you write in as a singer or as a, as an author, whatever. Yeah, it is your perspective on it, but you need others' perspective to connect. And it's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's like a sort of a thin a synthesis, isn't it? Really. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. yeah wow, that got deep in there quick. Oh, lovely Ruth Jones. We're over the moon you've joined us. Now, for yeah. people that don't know, um, myself and Ronnie know, know Ruth's brother, Mark, a brilliant musician. Um, we've known him since we were about 15, 16. We've done sort yeah. of um, these gigs with, with Mark. Down in Puthcall, these jam nights were incredible. They taught us so much. Little did we know, little did we know, but we do now on reflection, how much <laughs> those musicians set the journey. Do you know what I mean? In our, um, true Ron? Yeah, very true. Absolutely. Mark, Mark, there was there was a few people in Puth Call. Mark being Ruth's brother, Mark Jones, and Phil, Phil Jones, that obviously Ruth, you know extremely well. And we've yeah. talked about on Crowcast and stuff. Um, so if we go back to Puth Call, Ruth, all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> when did it when did it when did it start? When did music what was the first thing you heard? Was your brother the, the first thing you heard? When we lived in our, the first house that we lived in, which was in Picton Avenue in Porthcawl. Yeah. So I must have been six, I think, six or seven. And it was Christmas Day. 
And I remember Mark waking me up to open my presents. And he's going, you've got a guitar, you've got a guitar. And I, it was, I think it was four o'clock in the morning. Yes. I, have, I know it was still dark and I've got a feeling it was four o'clock in the morning. And even though I was only like six or seven, I didn't, even I didn't want to wake up then. But he was so excited because he had an electric guitar and I had an acoustic guitar. And I can remember my acoustic guitar because it was so, the strings were so, it, was, it wasn't an expensive guitar, let's put it that way. And the strings were so high off the, off the neck, you know. Um, but I remember Mark being so excited to have a guitar. And he's, Mark's five years older than me, so he, he would have been about 11, I think. And uh, so that was my first sort of memory of Mark with guitar. And then he, so obviously, so there was Mark and then my other brother, Julian, who's two years younger than Mark, myself, and then my younger sister. So Mark, because Mark was so heavily into heavy rock from a really early age, we all had to put up with it because he would play it so loudly. And he's probably watching this now, but Mark, you did. He played it so loudly. And um, I remember once my mum saying to me, I went, I'm trying to do my homework. And Mark's playing music really loud. And uh, my mum said, oh, let him play because then, you know, he won't be going out to the pub. <laughs> um, we, we had to listen to this music. And of course, I mean, I can remember banging on the wall because to to shut to shut it up. But actually, it must have sort of permeated into me, like it probably did with Julian, my brother, uh, my older bro other brother. Because um, I was I was talking to Julian the other day, and I was saying, you know, there's a lot of songs that remind me of that time. Mark had this massive collection of singles and albums. Yeah, and I used to love looking through there, and there, there are songs that sort of jump out at me. And Julian was was reminding me of some uh, this one, um, "Racing Cars." They shoot horses, don't they? You know that one. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, loads of Genesis, like yeah. Ripples, and um, uh, and and Led Zeppelin, and um, oh, there's one song that really will always remind me of Mark and of that sort of era of kind of like looking through his singles and, and playing them was um, Joe Walsh, Life's Been Good. Oh, and wow. every time I hear that, oh, I, I just love that intro. And, you know, so that, so I think, you know, when I was younger, sort of when Mark was probably about sort of 15, 16 and playing all that kind of music, it did used to, I must have absorbed it on some level. And then as I got older um, and Mark was in bands, I mean, I remember the first band I think Mark was in was a band called Wolf Rostrum. <laughs> Spelled W-O-L-F-E, Rostrum. And um, I remember Julian wearing a T-shirt with Wolf Rostrum on it. I think we sort of naturally became groupies of Mark and any band that he was in. And uh, he got together with Phil, uh, Phil Jones and um, Phil Mitchinson and lovely Terry as well. Terry Thomas on the drums. God yes. bless him. Oh, TNT. God. Yeah, yeah. TNT. TNT. Oh. Um, and they would be, and, and then of course I remember Chartered Hurricane being the first sort of major band that they were in where they had a single. They, they actually had a single, which was, uh, which was all smashed up, was the A side. And the B side was Kathy, Come Home, You Silly Cow. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so yeah and and you know i would go and watch them them play with my with my friends we'd go and, and watch them play at gigs and stuff and phil uh phil was mark's friend from school and and he i just always remember him being around like a lot of you know, mark a lot of mark's friends from then he's still friends with today and he's like 60 this year yeah. um and so phil was very much uh obviously he was the front man of chartered hurricane he was incredibly exotic in the way that he sort of performed so ultra camp but I, to this day and i don't know if it's because it's phil's influence i don't know but i just think a south wales accent goes so brilliantly with heavy rock it just i think when you hear rock guitarists and musicians talking if they've got a really strong welsh accent i just think it's the best <laughs> the, the two are just married they're meant for each other they sound better than american accent or a london accent or you know um i remember watching uh because of mark again mark's influence watching spinal tap yeah and i i mean that just i just <laughs> love that whole camp uh glam rock uh, idea the sort of the whole piss take of that yeah. um but but it was a really it's a re it was a really passionate experience sort of watching and hearing that really loud rock music i mean i don't get me wrong i was into things like um janice ian and uh uh Oh, Carol King and James Taylor and the sort of the softer versions of uh, uh, around at that time, you know. Yeah. But, but certainly, Mark and his bands were a massive influence on uh, on uh, subconsciously on, yeah. on on me, I think, and my taste in music. Yeah, fantastic. We got some we got some pictures early that you kindly um, gave us to put up. So we'll start with the first one here. So there's oh, yeah. there Ruth. There's a Ruth there. <laughs> I think I was um I think I was about 15 16 there and I had this graffiti wall all my friends we were we had these graffiti walls we just thought it was so cool so anyone that came to your room they would write on the on the graffiti wall That's and we I used to think you can't really see it but I used to wear like a little headband there and I just thought it was so cool Oh yeah <laughs> I can see them, yeah So that's your bedroom wall Yeah my bedroom wall I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it started off with a, a Julian, because there's four of us, and we always used to swap bedrooms. And when Julian was in that room, he drew this amazing tree and an eagle about to land on this uh, on this tree. So that was already on the wall, and then it just sort of went from there. But Julian was much more artistic than me, <laughs> um, as you can see by the flower that I've obviously tried to draw. And his roof. In big letters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. There's a, there's another photo here. This is the amazing oh. Phil Jones. Look at that. Oh, you see, so Mark's room. That's Mark's bedroom there with Phil yeah. getting ready. And as you can see, if you look closer, you can see these big red boots that he's wearing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boots. And the mess. The room. Our rooms were so messy. It was terrible. But I remember. So Mark's room was next door to mine, and Phil would just sort of like come in and he go, "All right, love, I love." And he used to call me Cake Face, and my friend Kerry, he'd call Cake Face, and he'd go, "All right, cake, 
Hiya, love. How's it going? All right, love. <laughs> and he was, oh, the gentlest soul. Just lovely. Always used to make me laugh. Always made me laugh. Uh, he was. He was. He, that's a wonderful description. Gentle soul. And it, so he spoke like that even back then. Because that's how we used to speak. Like when we went to yeah. college. All right, yeah. When we went yeah. to college, when we started doing jam nights. Well, me and Shane, our first gigs were with Phil, and yeah. he'd be like, "Ah, I love. How are you doing, love? Um, get your drum set up by there, and uh, we'll give it a go now, won't we? You, you know, we're very, very, very like quiet spoken. Then when he goes on stage, he's like, "Ah." <laughs> I know and he he was going to we were going to organise this big party which didn't happen and I, I'll always regret that really but we were going to this big party and we asked Phil if he would come and play and uh, with the, it was at the Big Blues Band yes. what was his yes. yeah the Big Blues yes. Band and um, I've got this video of him but I couldn't bear to put it up because it's too sad to see him but you know and he, he was just saying hello everyone just to say, we're going to be playing for you at the party with a big blues band. And we'd be, well, this is the great line. He went, we'd be, we're happy to play a selection of 60s and 70s song within reason. Uh, and we'll this is the way he said, within reason. We'll play any requests from the 60s and 70s within reason. I've never, I've never met such a naturally funny man. The, the man wouldn't, he wouldn't have to be like, um, um, you know, you say a joke, the punchline. It wouldn't be a punchline. It's just him, naturally funny, incredible. Yeah, yeah. and just so kind. You know, so so kind. I think the last time I saw Phil, um, I was filming. I did a, a an episode of Who Do You Think You Are for uh, BBC, which went on earlier this year. But we filmed it. Um, must have been oh. God, you know what it's like when you're in a new year and you think it was earlier this, we're in 2021 now. So so almost a year ago, I saw him uh, and he was in the Grand Pavilion Cafe and it was a Sunday morning and we just finished doing a sort of an interview filming. And, and as I was leaving, I saw him there with this little girl and I I said, oh, hi, Phil. Hi, I love. And I said, oh. I said oh, I'd love to have a chat now. I said, we've got to go on to the next place. He said, come, sit down, let me buy you, let me buy you a cake. Let me buy you a coffee. <laughs> and I said, oh, Phil, I'd love to. And I, do you know, sometimes you kind of go, it's not the last last time I'm going to see him. Because you, I think, I don't know, I think we knew that he wasn't well. And um, I just thought it was really nice to see him there but in the pavilion with his little girl and just, let me buy you a cake. <laughs> oh, a wonderful human yeah. being. Incredible. Yeah. But obviously yeah. he, was in a, he was in a band with your brother. This next photo of Mark. This is class. Look at oh. that. <laughs> I said I said to Mark, I said, um, Ruth sent me some photos of you, but back in the day, he was like, Oh, it's not the one with me as a boy scout, is it? I said, No, <laughs> I want to see that. I want to that's the one I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, Mark, Mark always had this amazing head of hair. And my dad was very traditional and uh you know, we'd always say to Mark, you, you should be having a, a shot back in sides. You know, Mark was determined and had this l l glorious long hair. And I've never, I think I can vaguely remember maybe once, one, when my, maybe he was about 15, I remember him having short hair, but he's always had long hair, Mark. He's always had long hair. Yeah, yeah. I never, I, he's always been slashed to us. Yeah. Oh, really? Been, 
yeah. he's always been slashed because he had he had incredible guitars. Like when we, because you got to think we were 15, 16 when we met him. Yeah. And he had, he had basically the same collection of guitars as Slash. And yeah. then he had this, this awesome um, ear. And we were like, fuck, he, he is a rock star. Like, do you know what I mean? Especially yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Fred. I'm glad you brought this up because you've got to remember, Ruth, right? We were 15, 16, right? Nobody yeah. in their right mind in these jam nights would give, and this is what Mark did, he gave me his gold top Les Paul. <laughs> I'm looking at it going, are you serious? He's like, yeah. <laughs> Play that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. you know, for a 15, 16-year-old boy, that, that guitar was like, well, it, it cost a fortune. How, uh, it was just incredible. How can someone... He, he's very generous, and I think he really believes in paying it forward. And I think, I, you know... When he would talk about the jam nights to me and say, "Oh, it's incredible guy now that's coming," like almost like sort of not not apprentices. That sounds wrong, but you know what I mean, like sort of younger guys. Like he said, "I was starting going to jam nights. Great place to start off." Um, And I think it really meant a lot to to Mark to to see that happening. You know. He was, he was almost like the, the talent scout. Like, people would come all <laughs> over the place of Wales yeah. to play these jams, um, jam nights. And, um, yeah, like I said, being a, being a 15, 16-year-old boy, playing this guitar the way to 10, um, and, and just having someone, just the faith, to say, yeah, okay, crack on with that, do a couple of songs with that. I mean, how inspirational yeah. is that? That's what you want to be, in it, a musician. We're talking, we're talking, Shane, 1994, 95, um, none of us could drive. We used to get a lift down to, to Puthcore from Bridgend. Yeah. Um, we got the farmers with your brother. Then yeah. if we were really lucky, they'd sneak us in the Apollo then. <laughs> they'd be like, ah, him and Phil Jones and that. They'd be like, ah, don't worry, love. You're with us. You're with us. 16 years of age, being sneaked into a nightclub, feeling we were in like some sort of after show party. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? So, um, and yeah. Phil's cape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, some of the venues that they played in, I don't know now, God knows what's going to happen, but, you know, like the Picton, I think Mark still has played there recently. And, um, but there, there were places like, I think the ESP, which is now the, the Bottle Bank yes. uh, Flats, call yeah. it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That used to be the, the Esplanade Hotel. Yeah. Um, and the Knights Arms. I mean, do you know much about the Knights Arms? We used to play there. We used yeah. to. Oh, is it yeah. still? Open? I always think it closed. Oh, it's gone. Oh, it's, no, it's gone, gone now. Oh, yeah, it's gone yeah. now. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, had an incredible circuit, Ruth, because we would play the Farmers on a Tuesday. You'd have the Sportsman's Jam on a Thursday. In between, you'd have the Knight's Arms for little spot gigs. The Apollo used to do like an after-show gig. And then the Buccaneer. Um, so you you could do a tour of Puthcore when you were like 16. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did. yeah, we did. Yeah. There's, there's another couple of photos here of the boys playing. Um, oh. Yeah. That was in the um, the Great Western, which I know there's a Great Western now in Cardiff, but the the one that they're playing in there, and that was that was October 1982. That was, and the, it was it, it burnt down. There was a fire there quite soon afterwards because I think they must have re- renovated it. But it was such an exciting night because we 
we went there and me and my friend Kerry went as groupies and uh, watched them play. And then we got to go home in Phil's cronky old white van, which he was driving. <laughs> so exciting. You know, it felt really sort of like rock star lifestyle. It was great. It was really good. Uh, he was just the best, man. He was... He was rock and roll. There's just, yeah. he, it was the essence of rock and roll. This next picture here, we were talking about a cape just now. Look what he's wearing here. <laughs> <laughs> he's basically wearing a sleeping bag there. Um, which, you know, <laughs> where did he think of these things? How on earth did he think of these things? We've he used to do. Go on. Well, he used to do, I remember one thing he used to do. I don't know if you ever saw this. He used to wear these sort of like PVC trousers. I think it was when he was playing with sex. Yes. And he used to get somebody to just cut them off him on stage with the scissors. I mean, you know, and he would just stand there. So, uh, oh, amazing, amazing. I've never, never seen anybody just look around and then just use whatever's in that room and make it part of the show. It's like whatever's yeah. in that room. And as, as ludicrous as it is, that's that's the thing he'll pick. The the one thing you think he wouldn't pick, he would pick and use that in his show. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. My my mum met him Ruth when we were like sixteen, and we were playing in like the farmers or the sportsmen's, and he turned up yet again, leather pants on, his vest, <laughs> his vest as well, because I think he not he not long come back from Spain. He'd been doing like a little oh, mini yeah, tour there. Yeah. He had the hair, but he had a he, this time he had like a little little bandana across. Like a little ram, my mother was like, "Ah, oh, he looks like Rambo, doesn't he?" And he could see, my, he could see my mother, who's sitting next to my father at the time, who's oblivious to my mother, kind of going, "Oh, he looks like Rambo. Look at his ear. Look at his leather pants. He's like a massive Rambo." And Phil came over, and the first thing he did was clock my mum. He went, "Hey, love, do you want me to buy you a drink?" And that was it. I made it for her, the nicest guy in the world. Like, you know what I mean? As he's there with his cod piece on and a bloody pair of leather pants like yeah he was just so charming wasn't he he was so charming but in the in the nicest most yes. genuine sort of way yeah exactly yeah. Come back to connecting again he what a front man because he would make every you'd want to be his friend when he watched him on stage you might want to hang out with that guy he just yeah. had amazing um aura about him he connected with everybody in the audience incredible and i don't know whether you know this but um mark has been working on redoing the uh, Chartered Hurricane song. So he's yeah. been working with a, a producer over the last, I think, year or maybe 18 months. And I know that Phil went in for some of the sessions and um, they've re, he's re sort of done a lot of the, a lot of the tracks and I'm, I can't wait to hear that. It's going to be, it's, I think it's going to be hopefully out, uh, released in February. It'll be available in February. And I think it's called Touch the Rocks. Does that yeah. does that make sense to you? Yeah. yeah. Um, and this and it'll have all the those songs. I mean, Mark's been sending us. We're on a little family group, and um, he occasionally sends us tracks that they remastered. And oh, we're all me and my sister and my brother Julian are, are just going. Oh God, this is amazing and. It brings back so many memories, but it just sounds so beautiful, you know. So on the one hand, I'm like so proud of Mark hearing his brilliant guitar playing and him singing with with Phil. Because what always used to surprise me about Mark's voice was that 
you wouldn't think looking at him that his voice would sound like that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then obviously to hear Phil on there, Terry on on the drums and Mitch on the bass, it, I just think it's so wonderful that they've been able to do this, to be able to reproduce it again. And there's a track on there, I think, that, that was a, quite a recent song that Phil wrote just before, not long before he died, when they went to their annual trip to Butlins, uh, in Minehead, and I think he wrote it there, and it's it's called Porth Call, and it's so haunting. In it's beautiful, it's absolutely beautiful. And on the day of his funeral, I was away with my mum and my other brother Julian, and um, we played it at the time of the funeral to sort of remember him. And it's just oh, I love it. I love it, and I can't wait to hear that. Once it's sort of it's, it's been done in the studio, it'll be it'll be lovely. And how fantastic that Phil's legacy mm. is in his music and lives on in his music. Yeah, Mark sent me a, a couple of tracks, um, and I was I was bowled over today listening to it. It's amazing, yeah. but it's it's not just the like the leg. His legacy is so many people in South Wales. His, like his funeral was unbelievable. Um, we we oh. went there obviously. It was incredible. Yeah. How many people were there to respect? Um, but we 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 see people, don't we, Ron, who have like worked with Phil or gone to college with Phil. Like if you're if you're in the music game in in Wales and you haven't worked with Phil, well, it's it's an impossibility. You would have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that's yeah. how influential that guy is. Um, mm. Still is. His music is. Um, Sadly missed and well, will never be forgotten. He's incredible. There's yeah. a wonderful year, um, Ruth, with you and with and Phil. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's not me. That's Nessa. Nessa Shanessa <laughs> Jenkins. Yes, of course. <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil, um, Phil and Mark were uh, extras. They were walk-ons in uh, the big Christmas Eve pub scene in the Christmas special last year, and uh, that I yeah that photo was. Um, I'm so glad to have had that. And I'm so glad that he was there because I think he really enjoyed himself that day. Um, it, it, was, it was great. It was so lovely that he, that he would be there and to be part of that whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. a wonderful shirt as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's like, what are you doing? That is Ron. It is, but he still pulls it off. He can yeah. wear anything, yeah. like honestly. And we have seen him wear pretty much everything, haven't we? So, yeah, <laughs> and the lack of wearing clothes. Well, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, but we were grateful. I mean, that when when they did their escape to to like Minehead, we we did a gig there, didn't we? Um, yeah. oh, two three years ago. Yeah. yeah. Three years ago, and your brother, and there's a lovely video. I'll have to find it somewhere, Ruth, and we'll send it to you. Um, yeah. We didn't know we were being filmed, and somebody spins the camera around, and they capture your brother and Phil watching us. Yeah. Um, and we didn't know they were there until like we'd finished playing, and then we just seen these two figures in the crowd. And that was it. We we run straight over to him after we played, and um, and sadly that was the last time the Phil came to watch us. Like you know, so. But see, in a in a way, indirectly now, I wouldn't be here if that if if it wasn't for Phil because he you um. I remember my I think Julian or Maria, my sister, said to me, "Oh, 
they're going to talk about Phil in uh, the Crowcast video uh, a podcast, and I and he, and they said, you know, those damn crows, and I be honest you know I, I'm sort of into my folk music these days so I, di- I didn't know a lot about those damn crows and so I I googled the podcast and then I listened to that and I thought oh wow that was and I was so touched by what you were saying about Phil and everything and then I I'd listened to the album I thought oh my god this is amazing <laughs> I was blasting it out of my in my car and then I went on the on radio 6 and and chose um the song the set in stone song to, to as my sort of my latest track cuz that was the latest al- album that I'd bought so you know thanks Phil cuz uh, I wouldn't be sitting here chatting with you now really if it wasn't for that connection and um I have to say I do absolutely love your music so i am a, a new convert to it so thank you ah convert a crow yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's so good. and thank you so much for choosing our song on on radio six that was incredible there's so many people text us ruth jones is on radio now and she's talking about you we were like what oh wow yeah that's brilliant yeah. <laughs> well, I'll have to, when when things are back to normal, I'm definitely going to come and watch you live. Oh, yeah. that'd be amazing. Yeah, we'll we'll get it in, no problem. No problem. <laughs> Backstage pass. Photographs. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Um, so just like okay we talked about the music and stuff so when did you know you were going to you want to be an actress like uh, was it what like me and you obviously we've spoke throughout the, the, the weeks and we were talking about the songs you would penned when you were young and the songs i penned when i was young and we were exchanging these songs which were brilliant by the way absolutely brilliant <laughs> and ruth has got a great voice i'm saying I, yep. well, we, we, know, we know you got a great voice you do and I'm kind of, I'm kind of a little bit jealous. I think I need to do a du- duet with you, opposed to like Tom Jones. I know he's the Godfather, but you know, if he's room for me, that'd be great one day. <laughs> but, um, no, but uh, so when when did you start writing? Um, I don't know books or or, or was it sort of? Well, I think um, you know when I look at old uh, cine films from our family, yeah. it's pretty obvious that I was the show off of the of the four of us. I mean. Like when my sister was brought back from hospital, there's this lovely sort of bit of footage of, of Mark and Julian all looking at the baby sister and mum and dad all looking at the little new baby daughter. And I am literally there in the front. <laughs> like this little <laughs> So I obviously enjoyed showing off. And I just did used to go off into, a, like a lot of kids do, into an imaginary world a lot of the time. Um I mean, I can remember a poem I wrote for my my mum kept it. She's got the original where I wrote it. And I must have, I don't know, I was around six or seven, I think. And it was, um, there once was a hill which stood very still, not high, not low, where no one would go except for a princess who nobody knows, who sat on that hill that stood very still and sang all day, so sweet, so gay. So that was a happy hill that stood very still. Oh, that's nice. So I can remember, you know, writing, I used to love writing stories in school and I loved English. Um, And I did, as you say, I did possibly trying to emulate 
my brother Mark. Um, I did try to write some songs and they were terrible. I don't know how you can say, I mean, I had such a good laugh texting them the lyrics to you yesterday yeah. because they were just so dreadful and they're all so full of angst. <laughs> you know, yeah. all this kind of like, um, uh, what was, uh, I'm trying to think of it. Rem Remember the night we went swimming with friends in the pool down by the sea. You held my hand as we walked on alone and the warm midnight air was so clear. So where are you now, gentle lover of mine? Do you still remember my name? Uh, I can never remember the, the rest of it. Oh, just awful. And I'll cry my last tears for you tonight. Because crying ain't a game I want to play no more. But you know, we were saying, weren't we, about how when you're young, you it, those feelings are so real, aren't they? They they really like you know they, they we we might as adults go oh it's just young it's just kids they don't know about love but they do and those feelings are so intense and they're just as intense as as when you're in your twenties thirties forties or whatever yeah you know. I Absolutely, Ruth. I mean, you you put it beautifully yesterday in the text and stuff and the voice message, but that the that one there's another song. We, 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 <laughs> Road and Toad was it Road and Toad? Ah, oh, I tell yeah. you what. <laughs> well, that was because there was there was um, uh, I, I think I was a bit younger, and I just thought it would be hilarious to rhyme road and t road and toad, and so it went something like, I was walking down the street. And who should I meet? You, you, you. I was walking down the road. I saw a toad like you, you, you. Why did you want to hurt me? Why did you want to go far away? You could have stayed. Why? Why would you stay? <laughs> Why would you stay with that person? Ah, uh, I tell you what. That made my afternoon at it. You know, song this is brilliant. <laughs> Oh, my lights are off. Since my singing is, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you're right, though. The emotions as a 13-year-old, they're as real and as powerful as you are as an adult. And, and yeah, of course, I definitely. sent over my version then, my 13-year-old song. Yeah. Uh, Don't Want to Be With Me, which the boys have heard. We played that. Remember that, Ron? Don't Want to Be With Me? That was when we, yeah, that, good God. Yes. And what were you, 13 then? 13, yeah. About a girl... That kind of wanted to be with me, but didn't really. I was having that the dilemma with myself. Does she want to be with me? Nah, she don't want to be with me. <laughs> Has she ever got in touch with you? It would been to any of your gigs. Yeah, yeah, she knows. She knows it's about her. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. All, all through school, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, first song I ever did. But it's it's mad. The, yeah, the emotions are, are real and and honest. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, it's true. So I think um, writing and performing and all that was sort of there. And then in school, we did school shows every year. So we always did a musical every year, which I just loved uh, down at the pavilion. And yeah. Um, and yeah, so it went from there. But I never thought I would do it professionally, uh, acting. I didn't. I was. I didn't really feel confident enough, if I'm honest. Um, and I, I just used to think of it as playing. It just used. I just used to love messing around really and 
putting on voices and and I was never one of those really deeply serious actors I don't think and I still don't don't consider myself to be a serious actor um but and like I did a stage play a couple of years ago because I thought I should because I hadn't been on stage for years and years like about I think it was about 10 years or something and I just found it terrifying found it terrifying I was glad I did it but I don't think I'll ever do it again I don't think I'll ever go on stage again not to not to act because I was so scared of forgetting lines or you know forgetting where to go or just messing up in some way um but you know it's I've, I've, I've been lucky to have to have played some really great characters and and on TV. And the good thing about TV, you can go again if you get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I've had some. I've been lucky with lots of different characters. And then I suppose it just uh, there was a, a couple of years where I uh, through a period of time where I wasn't getting any acting work. Probably I don't know early two thousands or something. And um, I started writing then, trying to write for TV because I knew sort of how a TV script worked and it sort of went from there. And I wrote a, a script uh, which never went anywhere uh, for TV, a two-parter, and I it got rejected. But then I discovered it about five years ago and I tried turning it into a into prose fiction to see if it would become a novel. And that was my fir- that ended up being my first novel. So that's how Never Greener came about. Um and uh yeah so that was that was really good and and the second novel us three is um that's set in wales because the first one was set in scotland really uh but us three is set in wales there it is that was my my friend's niece took that because she lives in bermuda and uh, that doesn't look like puff call (laughs) no (laughs) not quite (laughs) but um yeah so that's uh, so and now i'm on to book number three so Wow. So what do you enjoy more? I know it's probably a different animal, acting or writing books. What? Um, What's your passion? I don't, I love, I just, I love it with acting when it, when you just get that feeling, you probably get it when, when you're playing, you know, you just know you've got it right. And when, you know, you were talking earlier about having the audience there. And of course you don't have, you don't have the audience there when you're doing TV, but when you see it then on screen and then you get reactions from people and you just go, Oh yeah, I know I did that right. I know I did that right. Um, and so I do love that. Uh, but I'm also really enjoying writing novels now as well. Um, and writing more, I've got a couple of, there's a couple of TV projects that I'm co-writing with, um, David Pete and hopefully they will, be on the screens in the next couple of years. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I don't know what I would have done. I often wonder what I would have done if I didn't go into this profession. And um, I think I would have liked to have married people. I would like to have been a registrar. Do you have a, an alternative career? Would you have done something else if you weren't doing what you're doing? I mean, we we've we spoke about this before. We've had we've had jobs obviously before we you know we've jacked them in to do this full time. Um yeah. I was a kitchen designer. <laughs> I was a bingo yeah. caller. Yeah, yeah. Until fairly recently. Um about three years ago I stopped doing I did that for eight years. Um 
but it was always it was always to fill the gap to do this it was always this is what i so the past i I can't really see myself doing anything else yeah you know we all had jobs but this was always the go-to it's never been anything else and nothing really close to it yeah 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 you wrong um i used to love obviously when i grew up i was in in like theaters i used to work in the pavilion in puth call and um i think i would have probably carried on doing that to be honest if like i was trying to think of this the other day and i didn't really answer the question honestly because i grew up with um entertainers like um stan stanett and and people like that so i always wanted to be in a panto i know that sounds mad i don't know it's not like my dream now but when i was a kid i always wanted to be in like babes in the wood because it was like because i always used to watch from like say the pit uh, the orchestra pit, or I used to watch from backstage, or the when I got to work as a follow spot operator, I always kind of wanted to be on the stage. On the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then no, we see. found a band. We found a band <laughs> at like fourteen, and I realised that that was it. That's like funny. you know, so it's funny you mentioning Stan Stennett because I grew up. I mean, Stan Stennett had a very long, prolific career, and I actually got my equity card doing a pantomime with Stan Stennett in the Pavilion in nineteen ninety one. And um, I had to be a Ninja Turtle. I was and- there. I was working there. Were you? I was working yeah. there. Yeah, because Kerry used to come on as the gorilla. Uh, do you remember his son, yeah. Kerry Stennett? He used to come yeah. on as a, as a yeah. gorilla. They used to do like a sketch for anybody watching. This isn't like random conversation. Um, they used to do a certain sketch where three of them would stand there yeah. and the gorilla would come out and scare them. But yeah, I remember the turtle. That was you. Oh, that was me. <laughs> yeah, I was oh, Michael my God. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. Well, yeah, I was, and I, and I, I shifted was, scenery as well, and I um and made props. And uh, do you remember? I don't know if you remember this, but one of the the guy who played the captain, he died. Bryn Williams, he died during the run, and Kerry yeah. took over. And I was like, why can't I play that part? I'm a tra- trained actress. <laughs> well, my dad would have been the the drummer. There would oh. have been, my dad would have been the drummer. Then it was Ted Boyce who would have been on the piano. Yes, um, yes, and then Derek would have been your stage manager, Anthony and Wayne up on the lights. So, yeah, what a small world. Oh, my yeah, God. Isn't it, yeah. Bonkers. Yeah. So I think, so I think something like that, Ruth. It was just because yeah. I was always backstage like what you would have seen or – um, I was always coming to school telling all the other, all my other mates, oh my God, this person was at the panto or this person was doing a summer show. It was always, yeah. a, it was always a bit strange, like, you know, and then obviously yeah. once we found the band, um, that, that was it. That was the calling, like, you know, so. Absolutely. It's a very small world. It's a very small world. It is. Well, Ruth, I can't thank you enough for joining us tonight. It's been an absolute blast walking Aww. down memory lane with you. Um, Thank you. I've loved it. I I feel like I've just been chatting with a couple of old mates. So yeah. um, that's what Crowcast is. That's exactly what Crowcast is. Um, we just thank you so much for your time. And um, we got to meet up when all this craziness stops. Definitely. And, um, have a cake. <laughs> have a cake for Phil. Yes. <laughs> yes. That sounds amazing. That sounds absolutely amazing. Just yeah, before you go, Ruth, yes. um, our Crow Radio, a playlist um, we put up every week, different sort of circumstances every week. We're wondering if you could pick a song, a duet song, any one in particular special to you? 
Right, okay. Um, I am going to pick Robert Plant and Alison Krauss singing Please Read the Letter because I um, I met Robert Plant a few years ago. He, we, we did a series for Sky called Stella. Yes. And um, Robert Plant loves Wales. He's a complete Cymriophile. Um, and he, I can't remember how it happened, but he agreed to come and be in the series. He, and he played with his band at a funeral. Um, we had a character in there called Daddy who died. Um, and Robert Plant played in the funeral. It was amazing. Um, and he was such a nice guy, such a, a generous bloke. So I, I, I used to listen to quite a lot of his music um, around then. And um, I just love this track. I love it. So I'd love, I'd, yeah, I'd love to hear that. It'd be great. We'll put that on our playlist. Thank and he sings, sings it so differently, and he softly and not as usual. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's a class. Yeah. 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 Thank, thank you so much, guys. Thank, thank you. you. No star. And here's to a happy and healthy 2021 with some normality back in it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, <laughs> Take See you later. Later. Bye, everyone. Bye, Ruth. Thank you. Oh, that's fabulous. Absolutely fantastic, mate. Ruth, Joe, what a what a wonderful human being. Don't it feel like you just everybody knows her? It's just she gives off this rapport. Everything's easy. It's what a wonderful human. Thanks for listening to Crowcast Podcast. Don't forget, this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel. For up-to-date information on everything Crows, follow us on all our socials or visit our website, thosedamncrows.com. Tidy. Ta-da!